Well, hey there. Welcome to another episode of Bill Selleck Talks. My name is Bill Selleck. This is me talking. I was talking with a friend this morning, John Ike. If you don't know his podcast, it's the Learn with John Ike podcast. It's fantastic. He does a similar thing where he just talks for a while, little five-minute bursts most of the time. And he shared something this morning that really got me thinking, and that's what this episode is about. He's talking about the laptops they have at their school. And he's like, you know what? Like, he ran the numbers. They have, he runs a charter school up near Sacramento. Well, for us, up. If you're above Sacramento, it's down near Sacramento. Or what, are, what happens if you're east of it? West of us? I don't know what you would say. There's nothing really west of me. How would I talk about Hawaii? It's not the point. The point is, they're like, yeah, you know, we've got some Chromebooks. Here's how much it costs per year. Here's how long we keep them. Here's how much it is for five years. And I was like, what if we just, what if we just got rid of all of them? And I, to be fair, I know John Ike through Q, which used to stand for computer using educators. So he uses technology in really cool ways. His schools use technology in really cool ways. And yet he was just like, wow, like, what can we do with that money? He wasn't even talking about infrastructure, access points, network management, troubleshooting, staffing. It was like just the devices. He was like, ah, maybe we just throw it all away. And this stemmed from the idea that um, over the weekend, my kids were playing Monopoly together. And then I think it was Monday, they were playing a card game um, just on their own. And they're at this point, their ages seven, eight, and 10. And so for them just to play a card game on their own was like, dude, that's for sure a new era. So I shared that with John and then heard back about like, yeah, there's something about analog. Like, let's just burn it all down. And I I get the sentiment for sure. And this isn't like a knock on that at all. But the thing that popped into my head and the thing that I'm hoping is going to pop into your head is that I cannot imagine our school without an iPad in every hand of every kid. I genuinely can't. And I wonder, like, what does it take for you listening? What would it take for your school, for your kid's school, for your classroom? What would it take for you to not be able to imagine school, class, learning without that device? So for me, I can totally paint that picture. Are you able to paint that picture? That's the prompting. That's the question. You know, I can imagine for sure the vision of what learning looks like all the time. There's also the reality, you know, like I'm, (laughs) I I am under no illusion that kids are like, oh, and now I'm going to open up pages and I'm going to type the thing and then publish it as a book. And that that's like a normal Tuesday for a third grader. That's not the goal, but I can imagine a time where the center of gravity of learning is shifted away from the teacher and more towards the student. So right away, the devices enable students to learn on their own. And this is why we continue to just leave YouTube open at our school because it is such an amazing place to learn. Um, We do use some network filters to filter out as much as possible on the YouTubes, as my mom calls them. And you're welcome to steal that, the YouTubes. But there's all these places where students can learn independently. And for sure, with teacher guidance um, and almost uh, kind of a walled garden sort of experience where teachers set the bumpers of the learning and kids get to um, to learn and play and create in that space. But I think ultimately, 
What I love about an iPad is that there's a bias towards creativity. You know, you've heard me talk, if you've been listening to this podcast a lot, I went to college to learn how to record music and have access to audio recording because I wanted to record my bands. And uh, as my kids call it in the 1900s, you <laughs> the only way you could do that is if you were signed to a record label and you had access to a studio or you worked in a studio. So I thought, cool, I will work in a studio. And now every single student at Hillbrook School can record their own music. Every kid. When my oldest, who's now in fourth, was in, um, we call it JK, junior kindergarten. It's like a TK class. She was reading a book about opposites and wanted to sing it. And so she sang a book about opposites. And I was like, oh, we should turn that into a song. And she was like, yeah, let's do it. Threw that in a garage band, auto-timed, auto-tuned it. Found she was kind of in a flat major when she sang. Just completely sang on her own, as four or five-year-olds often do added some beats to it, added some music to it. I mean, I helped her. I'm used to do that kind of for a living, but, um, but you know, here we are with a, a four and a half year old writing her own music. And that's totally a thing that can happen. Certainly by the time they hit third grade, if they know basic song structure, even just like a B, you know, kind of verse, chorus, verse, chorus, do that three times, add some lyrics. You've got a song or not just keep it instrumental. Um, you know, and that's, that's just like one thing open up pages, publish a book. Like it, it becomes so, so simple. We use Seesaw across every grade level and that makes it even quicker, even easier. It's the same sort of idea, same sort of tools, but any student can hit record, drop in an audio recording, explaining their thinking. So much of what I struggled with when I was teaching second grade and we were not one-to-one devices is that those students that were just learning how to read, let alone write, really struggled to get their ideas onto paper because the only thing I really had at my disposal in that school was paper and pencil. And so for a kid who, you know, hadn't really been read to as a kid, wasn't doing a lot of writing independently, getting like three sentences out was a lot of work. But these kids, man, they had, they had ideas. Did I just say, man, who, who am I becoming? They had ideas, they had thoughts, they could communicate their thinking. And so Seesaw, record, talk, right? That's the kid demonstrating their learning and their thinking. You want to add more to it? Hit record. Now they're just talking with video. Maybe you're seeing their face. Maybe they're holding up what they're working on. There's there's so many possibilities. Um, so, you know, it doesn't have to be like, I'm going to write my own song. I'm going to publish a book. But it can be. That's always an option. And that's so, so powerful. It reminds me, you know, I had this experience once in 11th grade. My English teacher was Mrs. Hooven, and I think she went to like multiple intelligences, professional development. You know, like this is what I'm picturing now as an educator because she came back and she says, all right, Glass Menagerie. We just read it. Um, typically, you, you'd have to write like a two page paper. You can still do that. You can give a speech. You can make a poster. You can, um, I was going to say record a podcast. Those didn't exist in the 1900s. Uh, you can write a song, you can make a video, you can, you know, just listed like all of Gardner's multiple intelligences. And I was like, did I hear you say you can write a song for English class? So we did. Um, the guy next to me, Josh wrote the song bump on a log and it was so, so bad, but I still remember it. Laura and Tom, 
um, my drummer, like every verse hit the snare on a different beat. It's usually on two and four. And it was like on beat three, one verse, beat two, the other one, beat one, the other verse. Um, just so, so not good. And yet, a long time later, I still remember that. Um, but even that was like the only tape I had to record was our family's camcorder. So it became a music video because that was the only way we could record music. And we had to move the camera farthest away from the drums because the drums were the loudest and closest to the singer um, because the singer was the quietest. Like that's how we mixed the song. And I use that term lightly. It was not a great song. Um, But we've come so, so far. And yet the possibilities remain there where students can demonstrate their learning in any way they want. It's just really up to us as educators to give our students that space. Um, so to get back to my prompting to John, like, can you paint a picture of what it looks like for kids to not be able to live without this device and not in a very like, Oh, like I need to have my phone. I need to have my iPad. I can't learn without it. Not like that at all, but just learning has fundamentally shifted at our school because we have these devices that can personalize learning and because these devices allow for students to create and that is so so deeply exciting for me if you're not at that point as a parent as a teacher as a tech director whatever you know kind of role whatever hat you're wearing as you're listening to this what is that picture for you what does learning look like for you with those students with your kids with whomever with those teachers you're working with Can you paint that picture? Can you visualize what that looks like to be able to create learning experiences where you can't imagine living without these devices? Because I think, I think that's super exciting. Um, Yeah. It's an exciting time to be in education, isn't it? This is where we cue the outro music. Yeah, it is. Um, Hmm. I'm going to keep thinking about that. If you've not thought about this, I encourage you to keep thinking about that. Um, Thanks for listening to the riff on not being able to live without a particular workflow piece of technology. It's good stuff. It's exciting times to be in education. Thanks for listening. My name is Bill Selleck. This has been me talking.